Hey guys, uh, welcome to our Friday broadcast. Um, I'm coming at you from the kitchen today. Um, I'm not out in the studio or office as it were. I'm having to take care of uh, Brenna today. and uh, But I wanted to jump on and share some things with you. Um, not really a Bible study. Tim couldn't be here today. Um, but I want to I want to look at some scriptures today. But I want to talk about something that actually I didn't really even know was important to me. I mean, I, I guess I did, but I've never called it anything. Um, but uh, just share a little bit of something that's kind of I've seen going on in in the body of Christ, and and just chat about it. Um, if you're out there watching today, don't forget give us a like, comment, let us know you're you're watching with us, and so we can can interact with you. Help the silly algorithms. But there's a popular trend out right now. Um, it's called deconstruction. And uh, you're seeing it in some of the millennial communities. You're seeing it in some of the Gen Zers. Um, but the idea is, is that as a backlash to um, questions and doubts that they've had about their faith, um, people have begun to deconstruct their faith. And uh, kind of the premise behind that has historically been that people will deconstruct their faith, not with the intent of bolstering their faith, but actually with leaving it. And, and that's why I put in the, in the title of today's broadcast is, is you know, deconstruction versus demolition. And a lot of people are approaching their faith to demolish it and say, oh, you know, the beliefs that we have are archaic. The things that I've been taught were wrong and therefore everything is suspect. Interestingly enough, I, I, I agree with the idea that says it's okay to question and doubt. I jotted myself down a few notes, and, and, and I would even go so far as to say, um, you know, if you do it from a different perspective, instead of, you know, out of bitterness or angerness or anger or, or hurt, um, we actually would, you know, would call it, you know, homiletics, not homiletics is a study of preaching, but, you know, uh, theology training or something like that. But what I wanted to talk about a little bit today was this idea of it's almost an apologetic is what it would I guess would be the right word put for it, but defending the faith. Um, a lot of people are scared to death. A lot of pastors are scared to death. I just want to be I guess I just want to be kind of real and transparent about it. A lot of pastors are scared to death. A lot of church leaders are scared to death for people to question their faith they're scared to death for people to have doubts they're just terrified that things are going to get out of hand um and they might but i want to incur I, I made a post a blog post the other day and it simply said challenge your assumptions um and i want to tell you where that came from before i kind of get into some of the the verses and things that i want to look at i'm not going to be on long today but i want to tell you where that came from um I was raised in a really, really good Christian home by parents who love, to this day, love the Lord Jesus with their entire souls. Um, but I grew up in a culture that was a, a very conservative. Um, I grew up in a, and, and I don't even just mean our local context and our local culture necessarily, but there was a broader culture as I began to walk with the Lord that I began to read after and to pursue after. Um, in the ultra-conservative uh, traditions and began to adopt, you know, a lot of the belief systems that I read about. 
And what happened was uh, we went out to our first church, and I, I had a, a, a body of beliefs, uh, a core system of values that I was implicitly taught by Sunday school teachers and church you know, pastors. And a lot of things I was, um, I was explicitly taught by them, implicitly taught a lot of things, you know, by my parents and their examples, watching, you know, uh, for example, watching my dad serve my mother uh, our whole lives, you know, and uh, learning how to, to be a servant leader in the home and, and a member of a, a marriage. And that wasn't necessarily explicitly taught in the church, but it was implicitly taught by my dad, and that's something I try to practice to this day. So we've got... What you believe comes from a lot of places. It comes from your own study, your environment, what you have been taught, what you've been modeled. And so I had this body of beliefs. And when I started out preaching and teaching in ministry, I was um, very hardcore um, on a lot of things and, and very dogmatic and quite sure of myself. Um, the older I get and the more I study, the less sure of myself that I get and the more confident I get in, in the scriptures, the more confident I get in the power of God and the Holy Spirit. But that wasn't necessarily where, where it was. And what happened was is that our first church, I was young, I was t about 20. Uh, I believe I was 20 when we pastored our first church. And I found myself in the middle of nowhere just north of Abilene with no study tool. Well, I had, I had a, a Bible, a concordance, and a Vines Dictionary. And which is the same tools that we, we teach now. But I also had to teach three times a week. And I was a novice. I shouldn't have been in that spot, really, probably. I wasn't trained well um, in terms of being able to know what, what it was like to be a pastor. But I just started studying God's Word. And what happened was, and I don't remember the things that it were, or that, that, they, that, that hit me the most, but there were things that I came across in my studies studying the scriptures that I realized all of a sudden that that wasn't the way that that idea, that doctrine, that concept was taught to me either implicitly or explicitly, or it wasn't the same as what I had read from people that I respected. And I get into the scriptures. I was like, wait a second. That's, it's not that way. Um, and some of the things that I had just been taught surrounding doctrinal beliefs and things that I had, um, I found out just weren't in the Bible. It's not even that they were bad ideas or that they were wrong, but they just weren't in the scriptures the way that I thought they were or it had been told to me that they were. And so I began a, a process that now they would call deconstruction, but I didn't do it with the purpose of deconstructing my faith for the purpose of leaving it or debunking it. Um, I really wanted to know what the truth was. And so I began to do that, and, and that's why I, I put it, it's, deconstruction is not a bad thing. Um, but demolition, I think, can be very, uh, very damning and very, uh, very dangerous. I mean, what we see in our culture is everybody wants to pull their faith apart so they can basically go do whatever they want to do and say that what we teach in the scriptures is archaic. That's not my point. Um, in Acts chapter 17, we have a story of these people called the Bereans. And, and the, the Bible says that they were more noble than the others because they searched the scriptures diligently to see if what they were hearing from the apostles was true. In a lot of ways, that's skepticism. That's that's uh, um, it's doubt. They're saying, "Hey, just because you say it doesn't mean it's right." We've got to go to the word, and it says they were more noble in doing so. And so, it's a good thing to to take what we hear and check it with the word. Um, my confession to you is that I didn't always do that. I just if somebody that I respected or I was told was respectable, 
told me something was a certain way, I would take it at face value and then do something that is even more dangerous, which is called proof texting, which is then I would just go find a verse somewhere. Oh, that, that applies to what I, I have been told this belief is and would stick it on there. And now I feel like in my own spirit, my own mind, that I've got a biblical basis for my belief. And a lot of times, frankly, those were wrong. Um, I, I'll give you an example at a church I was at. Uh, I was an associate pastor one time, and, I, and a guy came in, and he, he told the church, he said, I only read the 1611 King James Bible, um, which I love the King James Bible. There's no fault in that. The only problem with that was is he's not reading the 1611. He had a later version of the King James Bible. I forget the date. It's in the... Was it the 1800s? I think they they actually re reprinted the most of the versions that we have out now. I have to look at my at my copy and see. But if you actually look at the 1611 text, I mean, it's weird. There were there were words in the in the English language even now that weren't even real words then. There were spellings were different, pronunciations were different, and it's it's really actually hard to read if you actually get one written in that text. And my, my point is this, is he had been firmly convinced that the copy he had in his hand was the actual 1611 version. I mean, it just wasn't. It was a different version in terms of like it was a couple hundred years later. Now, does that matter? No. But the point that I'm making behind that story is, is that he had been told something. He didn't necessarily research it for himself. He believed what he had been told, and then he propagated what he had been told as absolute truth without doing the homework to verify it. So how do we do our homework? We do our homework through the scriptures. In, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the scriptures tell us to be prepared always, you know, to give an account, uh, you know, to be prepared. So there's this idea of study. 2 Timothy chapter 2 um, uh, tells it to study. I mean, in chapter 2, did I get that chapter right? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. To study, to search out, to look is, is good. So I, I'm encouraging people... Um, not to deconstruct your face with the idea of demolishing it, but I do encourage people to be Bereans, to get out there and figure out what in the world it is that you believe, why you believe it, and then get into the text. And I actually like the term construction versus deconstruction. Because here's the little secret that not everybody will tell you. God can handle your questions and God can handle your skepticism and God can handle your doubts. Um, those of us in leadership for, you know, I've been doing this for 26 years or whatever it's been, and uh, uh, have often created cultures where doubts are not acceptable, questions are unacceptable, and, and we've, been, we've been driving people away from the faith doing that for a very long time. And I think God can handle our questions. And I'm glad to have people asking these questions, but at the end of the day, the important thing is, is that we go to the text what does the scripture say? And then John 16 says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so it's not just the word. There's also the, the, uh, the presence and the leading of the Holy Spirit of God that also brings us into the truth of what is and isn't true. I recently told someone to challenge their assumptions and uh, to take what it is that you believe. Take your core beliefs even. If you want to take the big ones, the non-negotiables, and before you read books about them by other men or other women or other people, go into the text. Study those things out into the scriptures and build the case for them. Build your hermeneutic, build your apologetic up from the scripture to the doctrine. Um, instead of trying to go backwards and find the text that, that supports your opinion, go backwards. I'll tell you a story about how this worked for me. 
Um, full disclosure, um, I tend to lean more towards um, the the doctrines of grace and a, a Calvinistic sort of a leaning, though I'm not all the way there. Um, then, then some would be on an Arminian side, if you know what that means. If you if it, you don't, that just has to do with predestination and free will and all these sorts of things. And and you may disagree with me. That's not what I'm here to talk about. But I, I had a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine. Um, he was an ardent five-point Calvinist, and I and I am not necessarily even all the way there. I'm, I'm not a Calvin. I like Scripture, not Calvin. But um, and I was on the other side of the fence, and so I went on about a one-year study journey to prove him wrong and to bolster my view. And something strange happened along the way, and what happened was is I got into the text, and I began to come across some scriptures that I couldn't reconcile. And uh, things like whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. How can I, because I always sang the song growing up, you know, there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine and it's because of the decision that I made at the altar during the altar call. Um, you know, but the scriptures confronted me with its idea that there were actually names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Now, there's a whole debate and there's all kinds of things about where they were all, you know, were they in and then they've been blotted out. Were they at, I'm not here to debate that. I've got opinions on it. That's not. But my point is, in my studies, in trying to prove somebody wrong and prove my own my own beliefs, what I actually found was is that um, is that my beliefs began to change simply because I studied the scripture and I was confronted with this idea that everything that I thought I believed may not be right. It may have been based on what someone told me versus on um, what actually the text says and bears out in, 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 in the scriptures. And so I challenge people to take, what is Corey? Corey says, uh, Americans don't realize that the New Testament is mostly Hebrew thinkers writing in street Greek. I, that's exactly right. It really is. And you have to kind of dissect what's going on in some of the text. And we take it from an English American Western perspective. Um, but I want to encourage you today and simply this. If you're out there and you happen to be watching this and you've got doubts about your faith, it's okay to talk about them. If you can't find anybody to talk to you about them, uh, we'll talk to you about them here. We don't mind. I think God can handle your questions. Um, as a matter of fact, I know he can. Um, if you're out there and you're already, you know, you're in skepticism and you're not even sure that, 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 that God is real, um, I want to tell you that it's okay for you to feel that way. But I want to encourage you to look around and open yourself up to the possibility that you also may be wrong. You know, when we start approaching this sort of a thing, uh, it's important to me to be correct. Not because I want to be correct. It's important to me to be able to represent what the scriptures teach properly. Um, if you're a leader or teacher out there, I want to encourage you that if you don't know an answer, if you can't answer a doubt or you're not sure about a doctrine, it's okay to say, I don't know. Um, it's, it's perfectly acceptable to say, I'm not sure. Let's go study that. And, and then it's also acceptable to stand on the shoulders of 2,000 years of scholar, uh, you know, scholarly men and women that have studied these things. It's okay to stand on those, but ultimately even they've got to come back to the scriptures. There are some people that are way smarter than me that have written a lot of books, and, man, they're Greek scholars this and Bible scholar that, and, and I just disagree with the conclusions they came to out of some text. That doesn't make me better, them worse, or me necessarily right. I always reserve the right to be wrong. 
Um, I may get uh, into the presence of the Lord and figure out that I've really messed up a whole bunch of stuff. But I can go to the text and at least stand on the text. And here's what I want to encourage you to do today, and we're going to jump off. It's a pretty short day, is challenge your assumptions and challenge them with God's word through his spirit. Don't be afraid to ask the spirit to lead you into truth because he promised he would. And then get into his book and figure out what it is that you believe and why you believe it. And if you can take your beliefs and trace them back to the scriptures, to the, to the inspired word of God, then you have ability to stand on those things. But if you can't trace those beliefs back to the scriptures, then maybe you have a conviction about it. Maybe your conviction is awesome. Maybe you're dead on right that it's a good thing. But I would beg you not to say, thus saith the word of the Lord. I would beg you to say, hey, this is what I think and this is what my conviction is and I think it matches the character and nature of God that I find in the scriptures, but the scriptures are silent on this or maybe they're not as clear as I'd like them to be or maybe I just don't even understand what the scriptures say on a particular subject. But I think we're lazy. Can I just be honest and say I think that we're lazy in our study of the word and we want everyone to do it for us and we just... Like baby birds take everything. Now, there's a whole other side of this, this equation that is God gave gifts to the church. And one of those gifts is the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists. And I believe they are supernaturally, by the Holy Spirit, gifted to help us to unpack the scriptures and to, to learn more about who God is and the nature and character of who he is. I've never met a pastor yet worth his salt or a church leader yet worth his salt that if you go to them and say, man, I'm really wanting to dig deeper into the God's word, would you help me do that? That they would turn you away and, and, and be aggravated or upset or scared or nervous that you're digging into God's word. Unless they've got something to hide or something to hold over. I mean, I, I've never met a pastor who's like, you know, I just don't want my people to study God's word. Um, no, it's, it's not that way. They would love for you to do that, and I guarantee you it would just absolutely make their week to be able to help you to do that. But get into the Word. Get into what you believe. Um, and I'm not saying go question, throw out the baby with the bathwater. That, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that if you've got doubts, it's okay to talk about them. And I'm saying that if you've got really strong beliefs, just make sure that those strong beliefs are based in God's Word and not um, on what you think is right what lauren says today um challenging our assumptions can be pure and refined yes it can um it actually helps us to i, I have I'll, I'll leave you with this my belief systems are in concentric circles and guys way smarter than me have talked about this before over the centuries but um i have what i call my to die for basket there are things and beliefs that go in this inner circle, in this inner basket that, man, when it comes down to it, these are the things. That Jesus is God. Jesus died a substitutionary death for the payment of sin. That God is sovereign. Those sorts of things go into that basket. They're non-negotiables. And if you don't believe them, I would even say the things in that basket might, might objectively say that you may not even be a, a Christian. Then outside of that, you know, there's what I would consider secondary issues that are very strong convictions. And I can probably make you a pretty good biblical argument for them as being correct. But they're not issues with which I'm going to break fellowship over, that I'm going to say someone's not a believer in Christ, um, things like that, um, that, that they're secondary issues. Um, 
they're issues and they're good issues, but they're not ones that I'm going to break fellowship over. Um, and then there's this other body of stuff that's on the outside of that, that is stuff we can't really know for sure. Um, it's stuff that's ambiguous. It doesn't even necessarily matter. All of this junk out there. And frankly, a lot of us live in that big region out there. And we get so offended today in this culture of outrage that we live in when somebody violates something way out there. So my encouragement to you is to drill down into that those core belief systems and and figure out. Okay, let's just say you let's just say for an example you hold something. You know, that, that's a non-negotiable. You will not go to the church. You think that the pastor's wrong. You think, you know, blah, 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 that whatever the thing is. Track it down in Scripture. Build up your own uh, apologetic for it. Build up your own ideas about it. Be able to defend it from Scripture. Not to prove anybody wrong, but just to be solid in your own mind that what you believe is standing on the Word of God. So my, my encouragement, if you're out there and you're deconstructing your faith right now, and you're saying, I can't take it anymore. There's too much that, I, that I've learned is not true, blah, blah, blah. The church is full of hypocrites. Well, sure it is. Uh, I know it is because I'm there and I'm a hypocrite. And, and, you know, people stink and we're all people. Um, and so, you know, it's okay to even say that we're busted up and we got some jacked up beliefs. If you don't believe me that that's happened, just study church history a little bit, just a little bit. And uh, we've done some weird stuff over the centuries. Um, over the last couple thousand years in the name of the church and in the name of the Lord that I don't think he would endorse. So my encouragement to you is challenge your assumptions, but let the word decide. Don't challenge them to destroy them. Let the word decide what it is that you believe. And then once you figure that, and, and get your pastor to help you, get your elders to help you, get your church leadership to help you. They will help guide you. Um, asking questions is okay. Uh, Stephanie said, what do you say? If we fail to ask questions and study and know the word for ourselves, we leave ourselves open. To... That's exactly right. You know, there's a, the oldest pastor uh, sermon illustration in the world talks about counting counterfeit money and, and that kind of thing. And, and, and that the way you learn about counterfeit money is that you count real money so that when the counterfeit comes through, you know it's true. I've been heard it in sermons all, all my life. When I was in college getting my business degree, I had a, a professor of economics. He was the director of the um, National Reserve, Federal Reserve, for the whole southeastern United States. In other words, he was over all the federal banks in the southeastern United States. This dude was a big wig. And I asked him about this after class one day. I said, hey, professor, I said, I've always heard this idea that, you know, hey, here's how we train for counterfeit money. And I told him the this, this sermon illustration. I thought it was just a made-up illustration that some clever pastor had made up years ago, and we all used it. And you know what he told me? He said, nope, that's absolutely correct. And he said they spend, I forget the time frame, it was like something ridiculous, months worth, um, they, that they would spend, and all they did was pound, count real money. That's what they did. They would just count different denominations of money, different you know, new money, old money, and the real deal. And then what the trainers would do is they would start after a period, a ridiculous period of time, they would start sliding counterfeit money in. And they were so familiar with the, with the real deal that they would immediately spot the counterfeits. And he said, nope, that is exactly the way it happens. I thought it was made up. I, you know, he said, nope, but that's real. And so what Stephanie's saying there is exactly right, that if we know what's real, then when the deception comes, the false teaching comes, then we can be Bereans and we can go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like the kingdom of God that I read about. I had a friend of mine tell me the other day, he said, everybody wants to focus on the writings of Paul, but nobody wants to talk about the Sermon on the Mount. 
And you know, when and, and that's what's happening a lot in our faith is people are reading and getting into God's word, getting into the gospels. I'm like, wait a minute. He said to love my enemies and do kind things to them to be kind to the ones who want to persecute us. He actually said that. But I'm not hearing that in the faith that I follow. And it's causing this juxtaposition. And it's causing doubt. And it's causing it. But I want to encourage you if you're doubting, uh, don't give up. Don't just throw up your hands and say, I can't believe anything and throw out the baby with the bathwater. I just want to encourage you to get into his word and study. And if you don't know how, man, send us an email. We'll, we'll glad, gladly show you how. Um, go to your pastor. Go to, the, go to your elders. They would love to show you how to do that and, uh, and, and walk you through. Hook you up with a mentor. Hook you up with a, a disciple maker that will help you. Um, not to tell you what you think they think you ought to believe, but go to them and say, I want you to show me how to get into the word myself. So anyway... I'm glad that's all I got today. Just I just want to encourage you to challenge your assumptions. There's an old saying that a friend of mine, a mentor, David Hines, told me. He said, It's not what you think, it's not what you don't know that'll get you. It's what you think you know that ain't so. And that has been proven right to me. I don't know where he got it. I don't think he made it up. I'm sure it's somebody looked that up, put it in the comments. Somebody else probably said it. But he's the one that told it to me, and it has been true so many times. It's not what I don't know that gets me. It's what I think I know that's not so. And so I want to challenge you to get into the Word of God. Let the Spirit lead you into all truth. And let the Spirit give you a foundation from which to continue to grow and to learn, teach, repeat, and do all the stuff that we talk about on this little podcast and with this little tiny insignificant ministry. I'm glad you all joined us today. Um, be sure to share this thing out. Share the, the videos. Like, comment. It really is helpful. Um, We've got a new app coming out soon, I hope. Um, if you haven't downloaded our app yet, go to the either the Apple Store or Google Play. It's already there. It's kind of in a, um, a skeletal form. Um, we're actually getting it developed and redeveloped right now. But go ahead and download that so that when the new one rolls out, you'll have it, and it'll just update one morning when you wake up. Go do that, um, and, and just keep in prayer about that, if you would, please. And so, again... Share, like, subscribe, do all the things. Y'all know how to do it. Put us on TikTok or something. Who knows? We love you guys. I'm thankful that you that you showed up today. Thanks for commenting and doing all the stuff. I hope Tim will be back next week uh, to join with us as we help people learn, teach, repeat. You guys have a great day. Talk to you later.